welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. Walking in the supernatural. Mark 16 and verse 17. Mark 16, 17 to 18. The Bible says in Mark 16, 17, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The supernatural. I'm sure you know the supernatural is the realm of God. That's the unseen realm. The supernatural realm superintends over the natural realm. Anything you see in the seen realm has first and foremost be orchestrated in the unseen realm before it happens in the natural. Nothing happens in the natural without first happening in the supernatural. That's the realm of God, the realm of angels, is the realm of demon spirits. You have the positive supernatural, you also have the negative supernatural. Positive supernatural, God superintends over that. Negative supernatural, Satan superintends over that. And believe me, the supernatural influence culture, traditions, people, families, and so on and so forth. But you know, God begotten us into a living hope. We are born again to be able to arrange things properly in the realm of the spirit. We are born again to be influencers in the realm of the spirit. You are born again to be able to watch over your family, watch over your loved ones, to be able to actually enforce the rule of God in your life, in your family, in your community. That's why we are born again. As a matter of fact, Revelation chapter 1 verse 6, God has made us priests and kings unto himself. A priest ministers to a higher deity. In the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, the high priest will go in once in a year to minister to God. And when he's going in, he goes in to the most holy place with the blood of bulls and goats. And what he's doing is to plead. He sprinkles the blood over the mercy seat to plead that God should have mercy upon the sins of the people. So when God sees the blood upon the mercy seat, he shows mercy again for a period of one year, and then he answers their prayers. So what the priest does is to minister to God, to worship God, to eulogize him, and then to ask for mercy, to intercede, to stand in the gap for other people, and of course for himself. But the Bible says he made us priests and kings. In other words, the priest ministers to God, but the king rules. The king rules in a domain. The word kingdom is king and domain. We have we made priests and kings. We minister to God, and then we now enforce the rule of God in our domain. We exercise authority in our domain. So if you are just ministering to God alone, you are a priest alone, and you are not dominating your domain, you are not ruling your domain, you are not going to be effective. The two have to go hand in hand. And if you are trying to rule your domain, if you are trying to operate as a king, and you are not first ministering to God, it will not be effective. Because as you minister to God, the grace he pours upon us is the grace we use to enforce his rule on earth. So we minister to God, he showers his grace upon us, give us the anointing, and they will now rule as kings in our domain. They have to be hand in hand. In other words, if you are doing one and you are not doing the other, you can't be effective. So that's who you are. You are a king. You are also a priest of the Most High God. 
because of the blood of Jesus, we have access even into the throne of God. So, we said the last time that we walk in the supernatural by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Brethren, is either you are walking in the flesh or you are walking in the spirit. I'm sure you know you're a tripartite being. I mean, you have a body, you live in a body, you have a soul, and then you are a spirit. So, the core of us is the spirit. What gets born again, where we get born again is our spirit man. That is where God lives. That is where the Holy Spirit lives. Is our spirit. God is a spirit. So God comes to dwell in our spirit when we open up to him, when we confess Jesus Christ, when we get born again, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. All this now comes to live in your spirit. That is your core. Your mind, your soul, that's where decisions are being taken. But your body is actually also an issue. So the body, the flesh, and the spirit are always at loggerheads. But when you learn to yield to the Holy Spirit, when you learn to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, you experience more of God. The Bible talks to us about the works of the flesh. Some things are evident when you're in the flesh. Adultery, fornication, envies, jealousies. I mean, he told us that in Galatians chapter 5, some things are clear. And some things are also evident when you're also yielding to the Holy Spirit. You have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, endurance. So some things are evident when you're yielding to God and when you're also yielding to the flesh. The Bible said, don't be drunk with wine as in excess. Say, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine. When somebody is drunk with alcohol, there are some certain traits they exhibit. When somebody is drunk, you will see them behaving somehow. They are loquacious. They don't have restraints. They don't have break. They lose self-control. But the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine. Say, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, as you can have a DUI, somebody driving under the influence, you can also have the Holy Spirit influence. That's very critical. So, the more you yield to the Holy Spirit, the more it takes you over. The more you pray, the more you do all these Christian disciplines, they activate the Holy Spirit within you. There are some activities you do, that we do, that actually increase the operation of the Holy Spirit in us. And there are some activities that we engage in, that actually increase the operation of the flesh in our lives. So as you engage those activities that actually help the Holy Spirit to blossom, automatically begin to walk in the supernatural. That is the realm that God wants us to operate in. The Bible says in John 3, 6, John 3, 6, that those who are born of the flesh, they are the flesh. Said, but those who are born of the spirit, they are spirits. We are not just human beings. If you are born again, you are actually a spirit being. So as you harness that power of the Spirit, you just see yourself flowing with God, and you see yourself becoming solution to many people around you. God has called us to solve problems. He has given us spiritual resources to solve human problems. Whether you know it or not, you are a solution provider because you carry the glory of God within you. That's critical. So because of the God within us, we can solve problems. When you raise the dead, that's solving a problem. When you lay hands on the sick and they recover, that's solving a problem. When somebody comes to you as a problem and you pray for the person and God answers the prayer, that's solving a problem. Even your secular problems, even academic problems, when you learn to engage the spirit within you, it will help you. Jesus said categorically, John 16, 7, he said, it is expedient I go. So if I do not go, the Holy Spirit will not come. Jesus was physical. He was just a man in a place at a time. But now we are talking of a spirit that is unlimited, that is uncontainable. You can't put him in a box. It's a spirit. 
and is working. And the Bible says in the latter times, God will pour out the spirit upon all flesh. Anybody who is willing will drink. So look, if you are thirsty, say, come and drink of this water. Just come and drink if you are thirsty. So God is just looking for vessels to fill. He's looking for people that will cooperate with him, that will actually come in tandem with him, and then he can use them to solve human problems. And it's my prayer, by the Holy Spirit, you will begin to solve financial problems. You will solve medical problems. You will solve academic problems. You will innovate. You will create. You will do things that will astound your world in the mighty name of Jesus. But we have to yield to the Spirit. You cannot live an effective and efficient Christian life without the Holy Spirit. It's the lubricant. It's the oil. So if you are trying to do the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, it becomes so frustrating. But it's there to help us. If we just learn, it's there to help. It's there to help. Jesus said, it's expedient that I go away. It's to your advantage that I go away. So the Holy Spirit is there. It's a person with emotions. We also said that for you to walk the supernatural, you have to be courageous. I've not seen a man who is doing something great who is not courageous. By the time David got to the valley of Hila and he saw Goliath spitting fire and brimstone, for 40 days, he had held a whole army captive. I mean, he had made them impotent. And a small boy got there, a teenage boy, and they took him down. It was courage. The other time, Paul was preaching. And there was a guy who was so engrossed in his preaching. He was engrossed. The guy was lame in his feet. And the Bible says as Paul was preaching, he was so engrossed in Paul's preaching. And Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. And Paul went to him and said, look, get up in Jesus' name. That's courage. And the guy got up. So, to do the supernatural, you have to be able to step out. You know, this issue of faith is an issue of you are believing in an unseen God. That's big. But when you step out, you can be rest assured. Before you crash land, God will always catch you because he's a faithful God. So those who do the supernatural, they are courageous. And the courage is an offshoot of the Holy Spirit working in our life. Amen. The righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one pursues. So the offshoot of the Holy Spirit's operation in your life is courage. There are times you have to speak out. And the Spirit of God in you will not allow you to be quiet when you have to speak out. So the offshoot of the Holy Spirit in our life is the courage that we exhibit. You need courage to do life. You need courage even to walk in the supernatural. And we also said that we also have to exercise authority in the name of Jesus. God has done it. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he said, look, it is finished. In other words, the work of redemption is done, is finished. Work of deliverance is finished. Work of salvation is finished. He's not looking for enforcers. He says, speak to the mountain. Don't talk to God about the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Tell the mountain to move. That's how to exercise authority. You don't beg God to help you drive out demons. You drive out the demons. There are different kinds of prayers. There's a prayer of thanksgiving. As you are thanking God, yeah. There's a prayer of supplication. But there's also a prayer of faith. Where you tell demon spirits, go. And they go. There's a prayer of faith. Where you lay hands on the sick, recover in Jesus' name. The person recovers. So, God has given us authority. So, when you are asking God to do what he's giving you authority to do, you are wasting time. You are praying the wrong kind of prayers. We have to learn to decree things. So whatever thing you decree shall be established. Kings rule by decree. That's who you are. You are a king. It's not every time that you have to pray, pray. You know, just say a word and go. <laughs> Amen. Jesus saw the fig tree. He was looking for fruit. There was no fruit. And he just said, look, you are cursed. Nobody will eat fruit from you. Not anymore. And that was it. And they were passing by the other day. And Peter said, ah, master, this thing has dried up. 
That's the authority we have. That's the authority. You have to learn that your words are powerful. But if you are just careless with your words, you just speak all the time, you never had faith to your word, they will not be powerful. Because you carry the Holy Spirit within you, you are anointed, everything you say in faith will come to pass. And if you begin to value your words, because whatever thing you value, whatever thing you appraise, that's what you get results from. When you begin to value your words, when you begin to actually hold your word in esteem, you begin to see results from the words you speak. But when you devalue your word, when you don't take your word seriously, then you will not see much. He has been just kings and priests unto him. Jesus was speaking to trees, speaking to storms, speaking to the wind. He was speaking to dead bodies to arise. What was he doing? He was showing us a model. Amen? He was showing us a model. He's the model. He was showing us how to operate, how to do life. I mean, your Christian life, you'll be able to actually decree a few things and see them come to pass. And I decree over you, whatever you decree for men's for so shall it be. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will see the supernatural. You will work the supernatural to your advantage in the mighty name of Jesus. Mighty works are performed by God's wisdom. And God's wisdom is awesome. God's wisdom is always shrouded in mystery. At times, people display, ah, can't you think? Aren't you thinking? Don't you have common sense? Even common sense is not common. So, God said, look, you can access my wisdom because it's always shrouded in mystery. Another way to work in the supernatural is also by practicing God's presence. And this is also very big. I hope you know God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. But it could also be manifestly present. In other words, God can be present in a particular place. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's in the club. He's in the pub because God is <laughs> omnipresent. But believe me sincerely, God is not manifestly present in pops. But when we worship God, it comes down, manifests his presence. And you know, when you learn to also keep in step with the Holy Spirit, you become more aware of God. When you learn to speak to him regularly, regularly, you don't wait until you get to a confined place. You don't wait, oh, my prayer time is 10 a.m. and then I will pray till 11 a.m. No, you are going to work, you are engaging him, you are talking to him. You are praying other songs. You are singing worship songs. That's how to practice his presence. And it's very, very critical. You know, God is a relational God. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, the Bible says he will come in the cool of the day just to fellowship with Adam. He will just come just to talk to Adam. And I began to wonder, what was he saying to Adam? Adam didn't have demons. He was fighting. He was in paradise, utopia. There was no demons to fight. No petitions. I mean, he was totally in control, totally in dominion. So what was God and Adam talking about? He wasn't praying that God would supply all his needs. Everything is there at his beck and call. But God always come down to fellowship. So what was Adam discussing with God? He was just telling God, ah, I see another creation of yours today. This is amazing. I never knew that this ostrich can just give me so many different colors. Every day he was discovering new things about God and he was disclosing it to God. It was more eulogizing God. Ah, Lord, you are too creative. You blow my mind. I can't just fathom. I can't see the end of you. You're unfathomable. You're incomprehensible. That's what Adam must have been telling God. So even your prayers, I just said that around demon spirit about causes, you haven't started. Because he's a relational God. He wants you to love him. You know, when you love somebody, you tell the person how you feel. And by telling God how you feel, it shows you more of his goodness. Because he wants to hear it more from you. 
So, Lord, you are so good. Ah, the way you helped me to pass that exam is just unimaginable. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace and favor. Thank you for everything. As you delight yourself in him, it will give you your heart's desires. It can get to a point that you begin to feel your heart longing for God, your heart palpitating for God. That is loving God. And when you love God, you will keep his commandment because you don't want to strain that relationship. So practicing God's presence is very, very, very major. And when you can practice his presence, nothing moves you. Psalm 16 verse 8. Psalm 16 verse 8. Very instructive passage. David said, I've said the Lord before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be moved. He's my right hand man. You see, the ways of God are so superior to the ways of man. And if you are not ready to let go of some of your human reasoning, you may not tap into those deep things of God. Many times the miraculous is in the ridiculous. Many, many times. God hides the miraculous in the ridiculous. Bible says, look, look at your calling. Not many wise, not many learned, not many great people, not many noble are called. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So if you think you don't qualify, you actually qualify. If you think you are foolish, if you think everything about you is not just okay, that's the person God is looking for. He uses the weak things to confound the strong, the foolish things to mesmerize those who are mighty. So we have to learn to practice. God is a relational God. Do you know how people are moved these days? The Bible says, towards the end of time, people's hearts will fail them for fear. People are having heart attacks. You see, people in their 20s already are hypertensive because there's so much anxiety, so much fear. There's a place that God can secure you. That's what you should pursue. When you pursue God, you know rest. Having more money doesn't automatically translate into having your problem solved. As a matter of how money has its own issues. It's easy to manage $10,000. By the time you are managing millions, that's another level. They always tell us new level, new devils. So you need God at every point in time. In adversity, in prosperity, you need God. I've said the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. And you know many times we look at ourselves, we don't feel we qualify to access God's presence. But Jesus went to the cross to purchase our redemption. The Bible says he entered into the holy of holies in heaven with his own blood. In other words, he entered into God's holy place with his own blood. And what he did, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 19 to 22, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, so we should have boldness, by a new and living way, Amen. Therefore, brethren, since we have full freedom, confidence to enter the holy of holies by the power and virtue in the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way, which initiated and dedicated and opened for us through the separating, cutting veil of the holy of holies, that is, through his flesh. And since we have such a great and wonderful and noble priest who rules over the house of God, let us all come forward, draw near, with true, honest, and sincere heart and unqualified assurance, absolute conviction, engendered by faith. So, we approach God with the knowledge of the blood. So, he purchased access, and even now, as we access that place, is interceding for us. That's big. He says now, that we should have our conscience cleaned. In other words, why people feel unqualified to approach God is because they have a guilty conscience. When you sin, your conscience pricks you. It goes off. So you feel unqualified. 
Say, but once you confess your sins, even his blood has purchased clean conscience for us. So when I come before him, all the obstacles have been taken care of. I have access by his blood, not by my own merit. He's there even now interceding for me. That's what that passage is saying. And even now, he has cleansed me from an evil conscience. So what is remaining? So God did all this because he wants us to come close. His hands are open. He did all this because he wants relationship. And as you love him, he begins to take away the love of the world. Wonderful God. Wonderful redemption that we have. This package, you can't get it anywhere. Redemption package. I mean, God is too good. When you just sit there and just think about him, he will amaze you. That's the kind of gospel we preach. That's the Christianity we preach. He has purchased our access. Even now, he's interceding for us before God. Even now, we have clean conscience. And as we love him, he begins to take away the love of other things. We begin to love him more. Amen? So, he's done it all. So, you cooperate with God and you will see his glory. All these things I'm telling you is not a joke. You can do the supernatural. You can astound your world. And by the time you begin to astound your world, that's the best form of evangelism. So, why is God blessing you? He wants a mouthpiece through you. He wants you to broadcast his goodness, his message. He wants that through you, he will display his wisdom. That next level you are high in is a possibility. Maybe you want to become the boss. You want to become an influencer in your industry. It's possible. God can take you anywhere. David said, he brought me out of the mighty clay. He set my feet upon the rock and he established my goings. He took David from a shepherd boy, made him king. That's the God we serve. And this year of the supernatural, you will do the supernatural. In the mighty name of Jesus. Checks you have never handled before, now you will handle them. In the mighty name of Jesus. Things that has never happened to you, ever, it will happen this year. So don't think it's over. No, it's not over yet. Your dreams can actually come to pass. What are your dreams? You can go back to school. You can study supernaturally. Your mind can become sound. What you think is a mountain can be surmounted. Amen? Every man's mountain is his ignorance. When you begin to tap into God's wisdom, you realize that mountain is cheap. Every man's mountain is his ignorance. You just need to just tap more into the mercies of God. And it's my prayer God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.